0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Bisarish with Success Harbor, and I have Libby Tucker with me. Libby created two location-independent startups. Beard Buds and Promo Bomb we're going to talk later on what they do but it's pretty obvious at least from Beard Buds she started these businesses while traveling she has lived in countries like Hungary Nicaragua Argentina just to name a few while building product running online and offline marketing and acquiring paying customers if you ever wondered about how to build a location independent business you will love this interview welcome
1: wow thanks George what a great introduction uh, thanks thank, for having me.
0: Thank you very much for being here, Libby. Uh, on one of your websites, Live, Work, Anywhere, you start out by saying, I have built a life creating and managing startups while traveling the world. When did you start traveling and building businesses?
1: Well, I started, uh, I hadn't left the country until I was 20 years old, so I was kind of a late bloomer. And uh, that's when my entire travel experience, um, my eyes were open to traveling the world. And uh, uh, when I was 20, but when I actually, I came back from my trips and I started into my general life routine and I didn't leave the corporate world until 2005 and that's when I started uh, working first on just trying to grow a consulting business, uh, web consulting, trying to build websites and then I realized around 2008, 2009 that the reason why I was doing that was so that I could have a location freedom and so that I could travel more. And um, I wasn't doing that. So in 2009, early in 2009, in March, actually St. Patrick's Day, I, uh, I had bought a ticket and uh, completely packed and condensed my entire life and digitized everything that I could and uh, narrowed my life actually down to four boxes, put everything I could into different boxes, um, got rid of CDs, uh, put everything in a backup drive, pre-drop box, and then um, I went to... Uh, I started. I had started Beard of Buds prior to leaving in 2009, and then um, I just packed up and went and figured if there's one way, only way I can figure out how to do it is just by doing it. So um, officially so, so 2009.
0: Those four boxes, so how, what was that process like to put everything into four boxes? Because I feel like we want to hang on to a lot of things, and we collect things. I think human beings are collectors of stuff. So what was that process like to... You know, purge uh, all that stuff that you collect over the years.
1: Purge is a great word because it was a great purge and a great cleansing. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a couple of houses, I had cars, I had um, I had tons of stuff, and it was it was a really great experience trying to figure out what I what I really needed first of all, and what I what was most important to me. So the things that I I really needed to survive i still live this way in terms of what do i just need the basics to survive um a place to uh lay my head a place to um uh or i needed my i needed work i needed uh you know the basic needs food shelter etc but in terms of what i needed to keep um again i get rid of all the cds i put all the music made it all digital so i was still able to hang on to some of that but really um my photo albums were really important because they meant a lot to me people and experiences um Things that I couldn't replace, things like um, somebody had given me a very special gift, and I wanted to hang on to that, but um so i made I made a list of things that really really mattered to me, and that uh, where my basic needs are really mattered, and then i I got rid of everything that didn't matter, and including old clothes, I did several trips to goodwill. I got rid of um, anything that was just a material, that was material. Um, I sold off a ton of things like uh, TVs and and radios and um, I kept... Was it
0: liberating to uh, to get rid of something?
1: Amazing. Everybody should do it. It's incredibly liberating.
0: It's it's funny because we just just sold our house and we moved into a... uh, We rent a place now, a much smaller place. And it felt so good to get rid of stuff. I don't know why people collect so much junk.
1: Right. We do, and it adds up quickly, and it 's a good idea to purge as often as possible and challenge yourself not to have a ton of stuff it really It really frees you and it allows you to think more clearly. it allows you to have more freedom
0: yeah so what what was your uh, what was the reaction of your environment your friends family? did they think you were crazy or <laughs>
1: Yeah, my mom held on to my clothes because she was like, okay, I don't know what she's doing. This is just a phase, and she's going to come back for these. And um, so she thought, yeah, they thought I was absolutely nuts. And uh, then my my aunt sent me a book, you know, of – I can't – what book did she send me? I don't know. She was really worried that I was just going to go off to, you know, try and find myself and never come back. And, uh, oh, yeah, they were all different. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They had all these different worries and fears. And it was, it was so
0: completely new. Go. So hard to go against the norm. So let's talk yeah. about uh, Bearded Buds. I mean, sure. uh, just maybe if somebody doesn't know what Bearded Buds is, uh, it's, why don't you explain it? I mean, I don't want to butcher it, but w- what is Bearded Buds?
1: Well, let me tell you first how it came about because it, inv- it has to do with traveling, and uh, I had made that – Connection early on, and then I forgot, and then later on remembered. Um, when I studied abroad in Spain, my first experience going abroad in uh, in when I was twenty. Um, don't need to say the year, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I um, I my friends and I I you know, took nine nine classes in Spanish. Um, four at the university, five at a language school. And I couldn't wait at the end of the day just to meet my friends at the local pub, have a beer and speak English and talk about, you know, the, the, uh, the day, the ins and outs and the, you know, the challenges or the great parts about living in, living in another country. And when you're forced to be not forced, when you're in a place away from friends and family for an extended period of time or for a very unique period of time, uh, like when you go away to college, or in this case, I was away for six months study abroad, you tend to form really strong bonds with people. Even sitting on an airplane for two hours, you can form a bigger bond with somebody. You'll tell them more about your life than you would somebody you've known sometimes a year um, or several years. Anyway, so here I was um, after... After we formed great experiences. I left Spain. I was working at my desk one day in Milwaukee, big beer town, and it was Friday afternoon, and my friend who I used to hang out with in Spain and Sweden sent me a, an email with a picture of a beer in it, and he said, hey, remember when we used to hang out in this pub? And, and all of a sudden, it opened up all these uh, memories of the experiences that we had when we were together, spending that time together uh, many, many – or a couple of years before in that case. And um, so I wanted to create a way, I thought it was probably the best gift or is the best gift you could ever send somebody is, is an experience, something that invokes an experience. In our case, it was a beer. What great, uh, what great way to keep in touch with somebody than to send them a beer that they could actually take down like, to the local pub and redeem it. So that's kind of the story of how it all came about. Um, and relating to, to travel, but it's just that. It's a system. It's beer commerce instead of e-commerce where friends can uh, send each other beer money when they can't be there in person to share, so it's a gift from for a friend for thousands of miles away. We have local bars that are participating in uh, 21 major metro areas where, so for example, George, you're in San Diego. I'm in New York. It's your birthday, and I can't be there to share. I go to beardabuds.com. And I select a $20 beer card and uh, at a local pub near you, and you go down and you, you're able to redeem it, take cash off your tab, and like works like a gift certificate,
0: basically. Cool. So, so when you came up with this idea, did you go through some kind of a, a process to validate your idea, or, or was the hunch kind of enough for you to, to, to pursue it?
1: I've gone through so many iterations and so many validations and so many challenges. Um, initially,
0: Can you I, give us some examples of how you try to validate it?
1: Sure. And keep me on track because I might go off on tangents. But um, <laughs> initially, when I started to, um, well, first of all, I started with the, the original concept and I drew it all out. I remembered a notepad. Um, this was back in 2001 originally and, uh, drew it all out and how it was going to launch and how it was going to work. And then I ended up, I said, well, you know, I really should include not just beer. I should include, um, you know, drinks. I should include this. I should include that. I should, um, you know, I should integrate it with this. And I, I kept, um, the idea got bigger, much bigger, um, originally before I ever even got to validate it. And just from listening to people and, uh, thinking too much and,
0: so did you, did you talk to a lot of people or did you just think about the idea a lot?
1: Both. But then okay. later on, what I did is um, I ended up bringing the idea back down to the very simplest core, the very simple concept, um, the, the minimum viable product. What, what do I need to accomplish from A to B? And when I figured out what A to B was – then I went back and I did official – I did surveys, like SurveyMonkey. Um, sure, I asked friends, but friends are always going to tell you either it's terrible or it's awesome, depending. Um, but they'll never really I, – I wanted to talk to people who were actually going to use the product. So I did surveys, but I also went out and um, I created um, a very simple product with five bars in, in West Seattle – and I also asked the bar owners. I spent a lot of time in the bars because the bars are my customers and the beer drinkers are my customers. So I had to figure out from both sides what was kind of a good balance between – because it's, it's the two-sided market problem. Which side do I serve first? Who's my true customer? What's the right balance that's going to that make people actually send the money? And that's going to make the bar owners happy because they're getting enough customers. So I created – did a lot of research um, – Talking to bar owners, talking to potential customers, and created what I thought was the the system that they wanted, um, and I launched with that. And then uh, when I launched with that, I met, I took, I did a lot of uh, Google Analytics, a lot of um, measuring. I did some Facebook ads, measured all the different Facebook ads to figure out what the conversion rates were, what my conversion funnel looked like. Um, f- tried to figure out like what this is kind of preheat maps and um, A B testing, um, but it was. Well, actually, I guess A-B testing was kind of starting, but it wasn't as simple as it is now. But um, trying to tweak it and kind of figure out what people wanted from that point on, and that's how I was doing lots of different um, – and still going out and talking to people. Like, how would you use this? How, how Did have you, you try me? to
0: pre-sell anything before you built anything?
1: I didn't. I didn't, and I think – I think with some products that works really, really well to make a, a landing page and, just, and drive traffic to it and just check to see where they're going to click and what their user behaviors are. Had I had tools like Unbounce been around or had, um, had I thought realized that you could do kind of this smoke test ahead of time um, before actually launching out, um, my impression was that you have to go as big as possible – um, I talked to VCs, told them about the idea, and they wanted me to build a billion-dollar idea, and I listened to a lot of that feedback um, without realizing that I could do something much, much simpler. So so
0: what do you think is – do you think it's a, it's a bad idea to try to go as big as possible?
1: Yeah, I do, actually. I definitely and, and do. talk
0: about that a little bit.
1: Because um, you're, it's, it's, it's a failure waiting to happen. You have to start small, and you have to iterate and test and iterate and test, and – I mean, some, some products you can just do the landing page and test quick conversions. Some products, though, you do have to build an A to B. With Promo Bomb and Beard of Buds, and particularly with Promo, Promo Bomb, with Beard of Buds I just wanted to keep building and building and building. And what happens is you build and build and build, and if you're not doing enough testing, if you're just listening to the market or VCs or whomever, you build and you have, you've built so many features and you've spent all your money on it, that a you need to support all those features and b um customer customers you find out aren't going to use all those features they say they wanted them but they don't really want them so you have to measure user behavior
0: yeah so quickly let's explain what promo bomb is cuz uh, some people in the audience may not know would you uh explain that briefly sure.
1: so while we were working with buds um, we had a, an iPhone app that said you know validate this beer uh, card on your phone and it was still such a new concept at the time that um we were having you know we were having great adoption but we were still having um in terms of people liking it or signing up but not necessarily using it and Groupon and Daily Deal sites launched and they completely flooded the market they did an awesome job of you know well like they'd send a thousand you know, a thousand Groupon's would be bought for one location, and they'd have a month to use it or six months to use it. And so, um, in it sort of neg- negatively impacted us in that everybody was daily deal crazy for a little while, and they thought buzz was a daily deal site. And it positively impacted us in the sense that um, a lot of people, uh, the market was now being trained on how to use smartphones and validate on your phone, et cetera. Um, but what we did is. We found our sales sort of decreasing and our signups decreasing and our bar owners asking us for, they wanted to run their own promotions. They weren't, in our particular demographic, bars and restaurants, small mom and pops, they weren't huge fans of Groupon because they didn't, um, they didn't have a lot of control over their promotions and they weren't able to, they were losing money in some cases. So they wanted to, the feedback we kept getting was we don't, want to just do beer. We're a restaurant, we have nachos and we have pizza. and we also want to have more control over our customers' data. Groupon takes all of our data. we want to keep control over that. So that was on the the bar side and on the or the merchant side. and on the uh, our other our customer side our user side, we started seeing an increase in adoption. We ran a couple tests and experiments. And instead of just building a feature, we ran these experiments, and we said um, we we found out that if we ran a promotion we we tested out kind of doing local promotions with beer and beer debuts, and we found a higher conversion, not only local promotions, but we did deals just to kind of test and see how the market was um, was going. One of the vCs we talked to said why don 't you create a groupon for beer money um, so it was just daily deal create craze we thought we'd test it out, but what we with, with doing a lot of uh, Customer validation – or, sorry, customer testing and talking to our customers and user testing, we found that people wanted a – our customers wanted a system like Groupon but more control. So – and we found a higher conversion. So we created – essentially, Promobomb was a product inside of Beardabuzz at first, and then we decided to spin it off and create create it as its own product. Um, A a software-as-a-service product that allows bars, restaurants, and even retail, we expanded our market, to um, create these promotions, open-ended promotions, track them, distribute them to their own network and uh, partner networks, and then be able to track all of the data real time and to keep their customer data.
0: And what were the signs that helped you make a decision to spin it off, so to speak, and turn it into a product?
1: Confusion. <laughs> so people said it's Beard of Buds. How come I'm getting Nacho promotions? That's all.
0: Mm-hmm. So okay. it's a very
1: similar uh, products, uh, except for one's gifting and and e-commerce Beard of Buds, and one is um is you, it's a software as a service where you pay a monthly fee. So
0: so today, how would you compare the two businesses? Which one? Um I don't. I don't want to say more successful, but which one is more widely adopted?
1: Um, Bearderbot has the cool factor, so people remember it more. Promo bomb is more practical, so people are more willing to pay for it, and they're not as uh, they, they don't remember it as much. If that makes sense. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One has uh, one is more of a utility. <laughs> I right. Beardabouts
1: opens the door, and right. Promo bomb is the one people really want.
0: Okay and um let's talk about um building uh building brands on a budget cuz i mean uh, do, at this point do you have uh investors uh for either of these businesses
1: no they're uh self-funded um either through they keep they're self-sustaining um or have been i've had ups and downs or i'm currently bootstrapping to kind of to do some uh technical work on them i have so, investors but not now
0: okay um so basically, let's talk about building your brand on a budget because um, I assume that's what that's what is the situation. So what advice do you have or what are you doing uh, to build your brand at this point?
1: Hmm, that's a good question um, because there's a lot of different ways you can um, go about building your brand. Um, mm-hmm. I think... I think the first thing is knowing what your brand is and what what it represents and having strong clarity over that. Um, Like I built uh, a design guide, a branding guide, so I know what my brand is and what it represents. Um, So having clarity is first. And and then in terms of building it, um, well, for Beard to Buds, you know, talking to to the bars and restaurants – often and giving signage that represented the brand and then with customers we used to throw events and parties and uh, getting involved on a budget the the biggest thing because I've done a lot of stuff on a budget and a a lot of it is networking Mm -hmm. getting out to events taking speaking gigs when you can um, getting doing hosting events people remember your brand partnering with people um, I'm trying to think of any specific examples, but I mean, we yeah. we did some fun and unique things too. Like we created a, um, we created games, you know, like, like sending a beer or you have to like tap on the sticker that we had and so we'd we hand out stickers at our events and you'd have to tap on the sticker. And so create, we create a lot of things that, uh, and to make the other person drink, you know, we, like we played drinking games created anything that would, actually, that would keep kind of the, the concept in somebody's mind. So, like, what I think of is at the event, like, how can we take, take the action that happened at the event and then get people talking about it at the water cooler afterward? So, yes. You know what I mean?
0: So, if you look at uh and Promo Bomb, what are the most effective uh, marketing channels or what have been the most effective marketing channels?
1: Mm. Let's see. In terms of Beard Butts, um, partnering local events, uh, Facebook social. So you're channels. partnering
0: with uh, who? Who do you partner with?
1: An um, example. I'm thinking more on the on the promo Bomb side in terms of partnering. So like somebody, we there's a there's a company that's not competing, but that has exactly the same demographic. That uh, is, it, uh, promo bomb's a, a complete is a service add-on. So I'm not huge on partnerships because they don't usually pan out. Um, but in terms of synergies where you can do either co-events or co-promotion to, the similar audi- to a similar audience. So we have the same target demographic, and we're able to kind of to cross-promote each other's products. Um, that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, beard of odds in terms of, like, if somebody has a um, – Well, we would sponsor happy hours, and and so in our target demographic, if somebody would have a happy hour, we'd say, hey, can we get involved in that, and we'd we'd love to sponsor it, and we'll hand out. Um, By sponsoring, I mean, just like either buying a keg or, again, speaking of on a budget, something that's um, not, not a huge, or we'll buy everybody the first beer, you know, 20 beers or something. And in exchange, um, we get on the the meetup list or the flyer and then we hand out, you know, cards or usually like we'd print out a Beard of Buds card, like $5 off promotion or something like that when we go to different events. So we're partnering and I'm kind of getting back to answering
0: your brand question as well. Yeah. And so how do you, um, you know, what does your team look like? So let's say... I mean, you're in 21 markets right now, right? Uh, if I if I remember correctly. Right. So how do you how do you actually put physical bodies in those locations, or do you do you need to do that?
1: Well, I think there's a huge advantage to that. My budget doesn't uh, our budget doesn't al- allow for that. So in th- we did have a competitor who raised a lot of money and put a local rep in in each market. They're now out of business. Um, and I I really like to keep things light and lean. It's it it's the smarter, but a lot more expensive way to go to have somebody in a local market. Um, mm-hmm. I have played around with having affiliates and partnerships in various markets. For example, uh, someone who owns a runs a beer blog or runs a beer um, event or a beer magazine or something like that. I've definitely explored partnerships like that in local mar- markets for so people who are already there. Um, but for the most part, um, I work, my team is completely remote. I've, I've also experimented with, and it scales up and scales down depending on the needs that we have. I used to have, I did raise some money. I did have some full-time local talent by local. I mean, um, we had like an office, well, a virtual office, never really worked in a full-time office, but in the same market, we all work together. Um, but now I've kind of gone back to the complete remote and virtual team, and uh, focusing a lot on, on team collaboration remotely. And again, scaling, I don't, I think it, in my case, it wasn't smart to raise a bunch of money and then try and hire a lot of people that are really expensive when I can keep costs really low and I can continue to, um, like if I want to launch a feature, then we work on development. If I want to focus on a blogging campaign, then we work with writers. And so I would like to keep it, Kind of paced out milestone by milestone, and depending on our our needs,
0: yeah, I mean you know uh, what I'm thinking is the you know the the, the challenge of building a marketplace because there is always kind of that balance right the 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 need for that balance uh, how, how do you do you run into that problem at all? Um, you know for example, uh, when I was browsing through uh, through uh, through your site. I have a friend in Glendale and so I selected the uh, the Glendale tap and then I've got the uh, the message that this bar is not yet part of uh, Bearded Buds network so that I put in my name and email what what happens next oh, I at saw that, that point
1: I saw that come through um, so <laughs> that's actually so I just we just launched a new part of the site and I used a team that I have on on Eland site so I've gone back and forth between hiring people all individually versus hiring kind of a um, a project manager to run the project and they have a team. But in this case, I was managing the team and we just launched this new site. And what you experienced was a a new lead generation feature. So we're still kind of testing this out. But the idea is that um, uh, because we don't have people in local markets, we're trying to have our user base build our uh, leads list. So when you click... On when you clicked on that, it actually said suggest this bar. You send us an email. Um, it goes into our system. We have a list of 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 these leads that are warm leads or warmer. They're not direct, of course. And then we categorize them, and then we start going after them either through uh, emails or calls. I used to have a full cold calling uh, system that I had implemented when we first scaled BeardBuzz. It's been it's been kind of on hold for for. For a little while, we haven't done any outbound or any active sort of marketing. It's been just uh, tweaking the site and doing inbound and uh, kind of refunding and picking ourselves. I, I don't know if I if this had been part of – or if you heard this before, but um, my CTO had when – I, when I had raised funds and hired an internal team, my CTO had passed away suddenly. Um, he had an annual yeah. – yeah, let I've start.
0: heard this but the audience hasn't. So oh, okay. why don't you share it? Because sure. I mean it's it's an important part of your story, I think.
1: Sure. So we had um we had some good momentum going with Beardabuds. We scaled to you know over two hundred bars and it was actually sixty two cities, seven countries, twenty one major major metro areas and things were going great. We had our launch party, um, getting some good traction and then um, but we did have feature creep. We were building lots of features, and uh, you know, the next point was to raise additional funds and to continue on. Um, the CTO uh, at the time, he had an aneurysm that led to a stroke, and literally on a Thursday afternoon, he was just gone. So that set us back um, quite a bit. We were in the process of relaunching, of uh, launching Promobomb, actually, at the time. And uh, so we were low on funds we lost our development talent and then one of the the uh developers really kind of a um uh new i guess i would say kind of new to the market or new new developer um kind of stepped up and did some of the work but then you know got this the it, it was challenging you know the team lost morale and people wanted to be part of the success and See you know seeing certain things it, it took a big impact on the team, and um, so we were at a point where we were on a kind of downward group. On was um, at that time uh, coming to market. Everybody wanted daily deals, like I was saying, and so it was kind of a. It took a, we took quite a bit of a hit. So I've been kind of um, in the meantime rebuilding, rebuilding funds, rebuilding team. Have you
0: considered quitting?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And why not quit? Because. Um, you know, I'm glad
0: you didn't. I'm just asking, the, why not quit? I mean, it's, it seems so easy a lot of times to quit.
1: I talked to two friends yesterday, and I said, hey, how's that you know project going? And they said, oh, I quit. I quit that. And they actually used that word. They said, I quit. And I think it's becoming really common. And um, I could have – sure, I could have quit. But um, one is I don't like to give up. Two is I think there's still an idea there. The other thing is somebody – challenged me and said, well, maybe did you feel like you had too much invested and that you couldn't, um, you know, that you had to keep going with it? And in some ways, yes, because I had uh, money to pay back to investors. So in that case, yes. Um, And not wanting to fail. Sure. There's some of that. But I think, I think what I, what I did instead was realize that I didn't have to quit in order to continue to, in, in failures, you learn so much. So in trying times, you learn so much, and the hardest part about being an entrepreneur is picking yourself back up and being resilient, and that's what really, I think, makes an entrepreneur. So I also have lots of friends who have stories that they they blew through $9 million of funding, and they didn't get cash flow positive until year nine. And so sticking around for – a lot of friends I know stuck around for nine years, and they didn't quit. So if your vision and your passion is big enough – and you're able to stick through the hard times and learn from them, um, then I think, I think it's worth pursuing.
0: So, I, I mean, I just want to really understand it because it's such a hard question, I think, for, for entrepreneurs that, you know, um, there are times when you should quit, right? But, but how do I know what, what is a good time to quit? Was it, was it your passion for these businesses uh, yeah. that would not allow you to, to quit and, and keep on going?
1: Yeah, I think there's some of that. I think there's passion and I think there's some some ego. You know, it takes a blow to your ego. It's tough. But um, what I did was I I moved it off to as a side project. I recognized that it wasn't going to be a full-time project. And instead of just saying, I'm going to throw in the towel and quit, I moved it into – I realized that I had to create something else as my primary source of revenue and move it to the side and that I could still – Work on it and still learn from it. There's still so much.
0: So you took some of the pressure off right. of yourself,
1: right? Okay. Because I think I mean once you get to the point, and I and I did get to this point at one point, and I think you get to the point where you're so obsessed with something that you just want to keep working on it all the time, and that you you're like you won't accept no for an answer, you won't accept failure, and that's that's an admirable quality in some ways, but it also can you can drive yourself into the ground.
0: It's and also we, incredibly stupid at times, right? If you yeah. So, so tell me, what would you have told you to really quit? Like, what would have to be different for, you know, in, in your situation? Uh, I mean, because I just want to, because, you know, I want to, it's hard to know, but I, I'd like to know, like, when do you think is a good time? Like, what has to happen to say, you know what? It just doesn't make sense to go on.
1: I think um, if I didn't if I was getting a lot of negative feedback and I didn't have a lot of emotion or money invested into it. But I think it's primarily the feedback. I mean, it, you have to you have to separate the emotion out at some point and say, Okay, you know, this was fun, but uh it's not it's not working because nobody likes it. The numbers aren't backing it up. It never made any money. Or it made some money but it didn't stick around, whatever the case may be, but it made some business sense and still does in my mind. Um and sometimes it's just not the right time or timing, and so taking the pressure off or looking at it for, for what it is. Um, but I mean, I definitely have. It's not. It's not the only venture I've had. I've had lots of little uh, trials and errors, lots of different startups, startup ideas, and and I guess a lot of it comes down to traction. A lot of it comes down mm-hmm. to passion. Um, but but really, I guess the the smart move is, is it getting any traction? And do I have the passion and energy that I actually want to put into it, even if it does get traction?
0: So how, are you, how do you look at it? And now, are we talking about beer buds now or promo bomb, or are we talking about both? Uh,
1: it's in,
0: interesting. In, in terms of uh, you know, um, talking about you know, a potential failure and, and, and you know, just the way we talk about your business now.
1: Sure, I mean they're both kind of um, they're they're both at a stage where you can I can either put tons of passion and energy into them behind them and, and really go for a you know that billion dollar. So launch.
0: so what milestones do you set for you? Do you set some milestones for yourself? Let's say the next six months, the next twelve months, and two years, for example, for you to know that uh, that this is what the business has to hit for you to pursue it any further.
1: Um, yeah, so there's a couple different, that, when you're in growth mode and a growth model, yes, right now I've been in kind of sustainability mode, and when it's, there's a cash flow business and a lifestyle lifestyle business, and then there's the, I'm trying to actively grow my business mode, and I haven't been in that mode for, uh, for a little while, there's, because there was some development, um, gaps, but, uh, when I am in that mode, yes, absolutely, then, then it comes down to, um, Managing the the bug balance on the site, so doing some product development features and bugs, and usually I, I revert back to minimum viable product. What do we need to actually absolutely have out? Don't get feature creep. Figure out what you need to launch, and that's it. And go very agile, very very agile, meaning once a week you do your releases, once a week you do your updates, once a week, every single week you're on track with your development team. Um, from a sales cycle, definitely as soon as if the product is at it's never going to be, it's hard to get at zero bug balance, but if the product is um, at low, it's functioning and, and there's activity and customers are liking it, then then yeah, absolutely. Then setting up a um, a sale, like I, I love, I'm a big CRM nerd, so I love bringing in like uh, creating funnels and creating sales teams and, ha- you know, having our, our leads and, and uh, um, passing those back and forth among team members and working them through the stages. Um, but in terms of, And, and sure, we have, like, uh, weekly scrums, monthly goals, uh, three months, six months milestones, and uh, trying to measure the business in terms of uh, overall growth. not only growth, but, like, in a SaaS model, I guess. Um, I'm thinking more of SaaS now. In a SaaS model, it's more uh, measuring instead of just, like, growth and sales, like, what's my churn? And so, in other words, I may be bringing a lot of customers in the door, but how quickly am I losing them? And then going back and looking at that and saying, okay, now what's the next phase? So let's say we want to get um, 10,000 leads. We want to bring in 100 new customers. What do we need to do to get that? And how long should it take? And then consistently measuring that.
0: Uh, what, is your, what is your take on focusing on multiple projects simultaneously?
1: Yeah, it's tough. Um, <laughs>
0: It's do you do you recommend it? Uh, is it something? I mean, for you, it sounds like it was a natural evolution uh, to have BeardyBuds and then promo bomb because they they were so related and and you know right. one was kind of born out of the other. But do you recommend try to pursue two or you think one should focus on one business at a time?
1: I think you should know yourself and how you work best. I tend to um, get. I tend to have a hard time just focusing on, on one thing. It actually gives me energy to focus on something else and then usually inspires me or gives me a break on the thing that I'm working on and then something comes to me and I switch back over to the other one. I, I can't I can't say I recommend it or don't recommend it. I think most people don't recommend it because – for fear of getting distracted and I could definitely understand that but I think it's really about knowing yourself and and just overall don't take on too much if it's making you happy and you're really going after it and it's giving you energy and you're able to focus on these things and be productive then great but if if you're not and you're feeling overwhelmed and tired and anxious then something should really be reprioritized or or given up and I have to do that co- process constantly
0: so let's t- talk about uh, your remote team um what are some of the, the challenges and, and how do you keep your team, team going? I don't know if you can talk about the size of your team and, and you know, what people do, but how do you stay on top of it? Being, I would imagine that you're in different uh, geographical locations.
1: Yeah, we're all over the place, and it really depends on the project, anywhere from Buffalo, New York, um, like uh, I think Arizona to El Salvador to Philippines to Hungary. Um, actually, the, the designer — I know you're from Hungary, the designer who uh, redid the New Bearded buds look is uh, from Hungary. Oh, so wow. Good. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so all different time zones, what we do is we focus on one single time zone. So we all work off of when – when we're collaborating, if it's, if it's, it's piecework, like I say, hey, Geller, if you can – and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. If you can create, help create this uh, bar flyer based on my mock-up and, you know, within, by end of week and get back to me, then we don't need to worry about time zone. It's just communication back and forth. But if we're actually having meetings, particularly for sales and development, then we all agree to one time zone and work off of that time zone. Um, in our case, it's Eastern Standard Time Zone, and regardless of where I am in the world, I, I work in that time zone. And it's just the way we work. Um, and communication and product manage, project management tools are incredibly important. I use everything from Pivotal Tracker to Trello. Trello's been my, my favorite as of late, even for development, which I never thought I would use it for. Um, and uh, what else? Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, all the Google Apps. Um, mm-hmm. Like right now I'm doing a blog, like I'll write I'll write a blog post i every, I believe very much in systems. Systems keeps everything going. There's a little bit more management up front, but it's incredibly productive. Um, doing, and it's
0: scalable, right?
1: And it's scalable I'll, So for an example, I have a Google site wiki. That has a, I'm a big fan of Google sites. People make fun of me, but I put all, I do a huge knowledge base, knowledge dump in there. I have all my knowledge base for development. I have my knowledge base for, um, for example, LiveWork Anywhere. The content, the branding, design, um, everything down to how our photos should look, everything. It goes into one knowledge base, one wiki. And then we have Trello that we go through various tasks. And I just brought a new um, content editor on. So my flow is this. I write a post, Um, I post it up in a Google Doc or Google spreadsheet, Um, I put put the milestone up in Elance, the editor comes in, edits the post, I go through, make sure it's good, and then uh, somebody else comes in, and um, uh, the VA actually, she comes in and she takes the post, puts it into the... um, Word, into WordPress, does all the updating, make sure it's SEO checked, and make sure it's got all the images in it and that they're done properly compared to the design guide in the wiki, and then that's it. So all I'm doing is writing the posts, um, which is my creative energy and what I it, – it creates it in my voice and my brand, and I do a little bit of review on the edit, um, and that's it. It's a full process.
0: hmm yeah. Systems are so so important and I am you know, I'm glad you brought that up. You're also uh doing some consulting work for uh for Elance. Is that is that correct?
1: Right. Speaking of Elance, um, <laughs> I How I, did you
0: land that gig?
1: Well, so basically I um I used Elance to build the first iteration of beardabuds of and then I used them to build this iteration of beardabuds. Of I've built teams off of it. So I've always been a strong um component of online work. I've been using Elan since I think 2007 and uh, I was in, I work out of a co-working space called WeWork, which is now expanding like gangbusters across the country. And uh, in the very beginning, we just had a a lab and uh, I was part of the first lab at WeWork. And WeWork, uh, I I was there one day and this, the... Elance was giving a presentation or a workshop, and the CMO was there. And I walked up to him and I said, "Hey, um, I built up my first iteration of Bearder using Elance and you guys should—I think that you guys should have an embedded presence inside of WeWork locations to really help out with all these startups." And I, this is right up my alley. I love what I, I love doing this, and um, I'd love to help get get this going and bring you guys essentially into WeWork. And that's that's what happened. So now Elance and WeWork have have formed a national partnership and, um, I'm in charge, I'm helping build out their, the infrastructure that helps, um, people. The thing is I use, um, hang on one second. Sorry. I'm getting a phone call. Okay. So, um, I use, I think of Elance in terms of in, you can either, uh, raise money, you can go through an accelerator program or you can bootstrap your company using something like Elance, particularly to get small projects, MVPs or minimum viable products, A to B, off the ground. And so I, I look, at it as, look at it as a great option to have uh, to be able to bootstrap and build simple products and do lots of testing up front. Elance is a great option, and especially for micro tasks. There's quick projects you want to do. Um, I found the the content, the Blog or sorry, the content editor that I'm working with. Um, I found her by through Elance by creating one job and posting out three different sorry one job to, to edit an article or two articles and then I hired three different people to edit that same article and uh, she was the one that I gelled with most and and so I selected her. Um, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Bring me back. <laughs>
0: you know, we went way over uh, the 30 minutes, but I have a few more questions. Can you stay or, uh, you know, we can. So you've been traveling since 2009 uh, regularly, you know, about building business and all that. So when I travel, I don't even want to check my email. So how do you stay focused uh, while you're you're abroad?
1: Well, I look at it as a complete lifestyle change. So um, I, I work all the time, but I don't. Work. So I think it's really important to set uh, times, boundaries. Um, like what I, what I do is I create a list of my own personal milestones in the morning. So I, I say, okay, what do I absolutely have to get done today? I create a list of um, not only a to do list, but I narrow it down to say, okay, what are my four to four five key things that I have to nail today um, in order to make progress on my business, um, working down from my one-month goals to one-week goals to my daily goal. Um, And and that's all that matters. And I say, I need to hit this today. I need to make this happen. Regardless of where I'm at in the world, I want to be completely seamless and keep operations going. Um, But the difference is, so I'm in, uh, where was I just? I was in Alaska and uh, like a couple weeks ago. And I was in this little town called Haynes, Alaska. And the day... Before I was bike riding it took a nice long bike ride through the mountains by the river, hoping to see a bear didn 't um, but took it, it like was just um was at the uh this little old town area where they had they had filmed this uh, oh, what was the name of the movie? Anyway, I was enjoying meeting local people. I was, I was bike riding. I was enjoying the local culture. And then the very next morning, I went to a local coffee shop and I worked there for, I don't know, five hours. And then right after that, I met up with some friends and we had some you know local food. And so the difference is keeping, keeping my routine or keeping some sort of routine allows you that freedom to be anywhere. So routine is really important. Sure, okay. there's like on the weekends, like you said, you don't want to check your email. So then I plan a weekend and say, well, then this weekend I'm going to go not check my email, and I'm going to have an epic adventure, and I'm going to do it in uh, Haines, Alaska, or wherever, and then get back to work, you know, get back to your daily routine. The most important thing isn't, is routine and milestones, and once you hit those, um, then you're free to do whatever you want. The difference is instead of, instead of being in New York or instead of being in Seattle, I can be in anywhere in the world.
0: Sounds good. So, uh, talk about uh, maybe a, a mistake that was a great learning experience for you. You could share with our audience.
1: Sure. Um, I think we. I think what, one that we just uh, talked about even is um, is uh, beard about. Do you mean in terms of building a product or in terms of traveling or? Cause I well, have a lot. In,
0: in, as being an entrepreneur, what was the biggest mistake that you made?
1: Um. Listening to too many people, listening to uh, people that didn't have an interest in my business. You listen to your customers and that's it. And you only listen to your customers when there's a lot of people saying, not even saying that they want something, but what is the user behavior that drives people to do something? Um, So really looking at building products for your customers. The other thing is, I, part of the reason we scaled quickly is because we, we were promised a partnership with, um, we were working with the Fantasy Football League and then with Miller Coors, and we scaled really quickly to build out this you know, network so we could have this awesome partnership, and the partnership didn't go through. So that was another key learning that you're building for your customers. You're not building for your partners. You're not building for um, your friends and family. You're not building for people who say they want something. Um, actions back up everything.
0: I love that. Nobody ever said that. Um, what What do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs?
1: Listening to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think. I think you have to.
0: I'm so glad you didn't say social media. I've heard that so many times. <laughs>
1: No, I, I really do. I think it's um, you you can waste so much time and go in so many circles by doing what you shouldn't do. Uh, you want to build, build, build. You want to you know you want to have this dream. Your ego says that. What did uh, Eric Rieslean start I was just rereading that book, and I think he said um, you success, vanity, well, vanity metrics and success. Oh, you call it success something. Anyway, you're chasing something that, that is uh, superficial just because you want to get into tech crunch. And at the end of the day, if you're in it to build a business, you're, you're in it to build a business and you're in it to serve your customers. So don't waste time anywhere else. It's, it just doesn't matter. You, that can come later.
0: I have one more question. If you could train someone, let's say a friend or somebody in your family that has a job now, but you know, they, they say, you know, I want to I be an entrepreneur. What would be the first thing you would teach that person?
1: Quit your job? No, um, everybody. It, I did. I just I just have a couple of friends who did this, and they uh, they they quit. They made a plan, but then they quit and they started off on their ventures. But um, the first thing to do, um, it, you mean?
0: Yeah, like what is a skill, or what is a, what is a, what, what do they need to have? To you know, to set them on the right track. One thing is not going to be enough. But what is the one thing that they need to do first, or 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 know first?
1: Wow, um, the, the, I guess the only thing, and this is, might sound kind of people probably want something more conc- concrete. But I have to honestly say, and a lot of this is my opinion, um, know that you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, and learn how to create a balanced routine and balanced schedule, and st- And be incredibly self-disciplined because you're not going to know everything and you may not know anything. The best business degree that you can ever get is just by starting your business. Listen to interviews like these, follow people who have done it before, build a great network and association around you that are going to support support you, particularly on those down days. Um, that's incredibly important to listen to the right people um, and and just get started if you're looking to slowly transition out of your job um, there's another great podcast uh, there's a great podcast about called like uh, unstuckable I think like how do you get actually unstuck and take the steps to transition um, there's no one answer but think about if you're a planner you know make some sort of a plan uh, if you're in a like me, I just jumped and learned backwards. I wouldn't highly recommend that unless you guess you're really risk a big risk taker. But uh, figure out what your greatest skill sets are and your greatest assets are, and and you get feedback from other people. Like, what do you think I'm best at? What do I do best at? Figure out uh, another great advice. I just have to throw this in here um, from a friend of mine who studied with Seth Godin said, uh, figure out his advice was figure out what you want your daily routine to look like. Like what do you want your day to look like? Always begin with the end in mind and work backwards and then take it one step at a
0: time. Sounds good. That sounded like uh, habit number two, right?
1: Habit number two. (laughs) That's my favorite habit. Stephen Covey.
0: Okay, um, I, I so appreciate you coming on Success Harbor today, Libby, uh, to share your story, ups and downs, and you know, everything uh, you, know, you have learned and, and, and done. How can people connect with you or find out more about some of the projects that you're working on today?
1: Sure, so I'm trying to uh, centralize everything, either on LibbyTucker.com, I have kind of a list of what I'm working on, um, or LiveWorkAnywhere.com. Just shoot me a contact or shoot me an email. Connect with me on Facebook, uh, Libby.Tucker, and, uh, or LinkedIn, uh, LibTuck. You can either always find me at libtucker or Libby Tucker. and I love to connect. And I love helping entrepreneurs. You know, I give people random feedback on their ideas all the time. I'm not really quick to respond because I'm a little swamped, but happy to help. And I love connecting. Association is so important, so please connect. Let's all be successful together.
0: Thank you so much, and I wish you much luck uh, with all your, all your uh, adventures, travel, and business.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I wish you luck, too.
0: Thanks. Bye.
1: Bye.